perhaps oddly placed to talk about the most important piece as piece number four out of five, but uh, it fit the acronym. I don't know if you noticed when I was putting together the quiz last year, there is a quiz on Simply Convivial where you can find which piece of organization you should begin with to see the most progress. Four pieces of organization that we have to attend to, that we have to kind of work at intentionally to have something in place and be making progress. And I don't, I don't really like the number four. I don't like to have four things. I like three and I like five, but I had four. And so I said, well, if I'm going to have four, it has to spell something. <laughs> it worked out into snap. <laughs> so we have spaces, notes, attitude, and plans. So those are the four areas, the four things that we have to have in place. And each one of those things we refine gradually, bit by bit. Attitude is the third piece because that helps us form the word snap. Organization is a snap. Organization we've talked about throughout this week means being prepared and ready to be responsive to the needs that come up as they come up. It's not controlling or defining or determining what those needs will be and when they will happen like making everyone else's lives run on our timetable, because that would be really convenient. <laughs> that would make us feel put together. That would make us feel in charge, which we actually aren't. So organization is sometimes a mask for self-centeredness or even uh, self-idolatry trying to become our own God, determining the way our life will go and how other people will fit into it. But it doesn't need to mean that. It ought not mean that. If that is what being organized meant, then we would have to reject being organized because we have to reject attempts to become our own gods. But that's not what organization actually means. Organization is about putting things in order. And our God, the one true Trinitarian God, is a God of order. So putting things in order is a way that we imitate our maker. So it is a good thing and it is something worthy of pursuing as long as we pursue it rightly. And because it can be this path of obedience and freedom and imitating our creator, it becomes uh, corrupted because that's a, a point of temptation to take something that's good and necessary and turn it to become what it the opposite of what it's intended to be. So when we are orderly in our behavior and in our life, 
uh, we are growing in sanctification and uh, we are becoming more and more prepared and ready to walk in the good works that God has put in front of us. And often those works that those good works that God gives us to walk in moment by moment are not the ones that we would have picked ahead of time. So planning and organizing isn't about predicting and deciding ahead of time what's going to happen. It's setting things up such that you are ready to do the right thing more and more. And so we organize spaces because then we can have and find the things that we need when we need them and they aren't getting in our way, right? Stuff can be a resource that helps us love and serve people, or it can become an obstacle hindering us from moving forward. It can be either. It's not stuff is always a hindrance and therefore we should get rid of it all, but we need to be the ones ordering that stuff and putting it away and making it findable when we need it. So that's one step, one piece of being organized is taking care of the stuff. And then yesterday we talked about notes, just information, notes to self, uh, the, the calendar, the tasks and lists and thoughts and mottos and all kinds of information that we need to keep uh, to be prepared, to be ready, to be thoughtful. And so we talked about not over-organizing or over-systematizing that because that can become a distraction where it takes more work to just keep up those inventories and lists and systems where we lose sight of the reason why we're doing it in the first place. And we can probably, you know, feed our family well without having a perfect inventory. And then on the other hand, we do need to know what we have so that we don't waste what we have, right? So there are we have to balance these things and the right level of system and organization is going to be a very personal matter. It really depends on what you have in front of you to manage. And there isn't one system that someone can tell you, if you just do it this way, you'll have everything under control. You'll know exactly what you need to know when you need to know it. It. It really is a process that we all work through within our own circumstances. So that brings us then to attitude today. And a big part of having the correct attitude as we go about attempting to be more organized is understanding the purpose of each one of these pieces. So if we don't know what organization is, then we could even be organized or organized enough to be prepared, to be ready, to be responsive while calling ourselves unorganized. 
And I know so many women who are organized, (laughs) they really are, and say that they aren't. They don't think that they are. And it's a really easy trap to fall into. And I know, you know, when I, for, for years now, um, if I said, oh, I, I write about organization or I, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about it and talking about it and writing about it, people immediately assume you, you're Martha Stewart, right? <laughs> they assume you are, if, if you say you're organized or if you say you're really interested in organization, just the cultural assumption is that you are really intent upon having things look a certain way and go a certain way. And you're really good at making life fit your way. And, you know, if we, no one would probably say it that way, but if you break down what's behind our picture of organization, it involves straight lines, a lot of white, chalkboard labels, all the containers match, everything's, you know, very thoughtfully and beautifully placed. The person who is in this picture of organization um, is always unruffled and knows exactly what's going to happen next, right? Because everything's been arranged correctly. The reality is that we might have some ideas about what ought to happen next, but uh, none of us actually knows what's going to happen next. And the point of being organized isn't predicting the future, but knowing and practicing appropriate responses. We need to clear our imaginations of that picture of organization that we have picked up from HGTV and Pinterest and Instagram and the magazines and recognize that being organized is being ready to do the good works that God has called us to and not letting our stuff and our attitudes and our distractions get in the way of being capable and competent to do what we ought to be doing, to serve and love the people that God puts in front of us, which includes feeding them, making dinner, doing laundry, uh, mopping the floor. Um, These aren't things that we do to achieve the look. There are things that we do to have our homes be ready for hospitality, including hospitality to those within it, to be taking care of the tools of service that we have. And when we change that, change our perspective on what organization is and what the end goal is, that all of it is to glorify God by doing what he's called us to do, it's and it's not about glorifying ourselves making little shrines to our own organizational aspiration 
aspirations, we are on our way to organizing our attitude. Organizing our attitude is a thing. It's not something that you really hear much about in the world because generally the secular worldly advice is that you need to go with your feelings. But the biblical teaching is that you should control your feelings. You can direct your habits of mind and heart. Uh, We're told to set our mind on things that are above. We are told to offer ourselves as living sacrifices of thanks. We're told what kinds of feelings we ought to have. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice, like rejoicing, having joy. It's a command. And so that means that whatever our thoughts and feelings are by default doesn't really matter. Uh, It's interesting information that maybe we need to observe so that we can repent, ask God to change our hearts and not leave us at the mercy of our own uh, self. We don't have to be at the mercy of our own selves as Christians because God has given us the Holy Spirit who's remaking us who's changing our hearts, and that includes changing our minds. And they're they're connected. It goes both ways. And so one way that, one tool that God gives us in this path of sanctification, which is becoming more holy, not just in actions, those actions flow from a changed heart. The change in our heart is a change to love, We love God more than we love ourselves. And it's a grateful heart. When we are saved, we are so grateful. And that gratitude moves us into obedience, right? The obedience the good works, the doing, the works of service and love that God has set before us are not done in order to earn love and salvation. They're not, our good works don't merit us any kind of benefit. The benefits, the salvation and all of that is already ours in Christ. And so because of that, we are changed. We are oriented differently. A different orientation is possible because of Christ. And that gives us gratitude and joy, which propels us into service and obedience. And uh, so, and that obedience includes rejoicing. But rejoicing is also just a natural response to forgiveness. And so that's why I like to say, repent, rejoice, repeat, because we have to repent first. We are always 
falling short. We are always failing. We mess up all the time. So, uh, and, and God knows that God has set things up uh, to take care of that, right? Uh, it's all covered in Christ and it doesn't surprise God. He's not expecting us to be perfect right now. He's covered us with Christ's perfection. So when we mess up, we don't need to hide it and we don't need to deny it or ignore it. We need to repent of it. That's the provision that God has given us. He's given us the calling and the ability to repent. And that's not just a one time I'm become a Christian and now everything um, is going to be amazing and perfect. But that's the beginning, the first repentance of a life of repentance after that. So when we do not feel joy, when we are not delighting in good things, uh, when we are selfish and self-centered and unkind, harsh, these are all sins that we can call them what they are honestly and repent of. And then after repenting comes the rejoicing because then we experience and recognize the forgiveness when we've given up our sin instead of trying to hold on to it, rename it into something that sounds a little bit less ugly or just sweep it under the rug and try to pretend it's not there. Instead, we just bring it into the light and say, oh, Lord, take this away. And he does. And so we rejoice. So we repent, we rejoice. And this is an ongoing, repeated process that we're always uh, cycling through daily. We aren't looking for the time arriving in this life, achieving a state whereby we're going to not need to repent anymore. We're not going to be fully perfected and glorified until Christ comes back. In this life, uh, we will be constantly convicted of our sin so that we can repent of it and rejoice in the forgiveness. And that's the process of sanctification that we are to use this life for. Um, and so when we are convicted of sin, we can rejoice in being convicted of our sin because that means the Holy Spirit's at work in us. So we repent, rejoice on repeat. <laughs> And that is how our attitude is organized. If organization is being orderly and putting things in order and having things where they belong, then attitude organization is taking those bad attitudes that we have, sinful attitudes, incorrect attitudes, and giving them to Christ, giving them to God because Jesus covered it on the cross. So he's already taken it. We, we give it over and he takes it and we get forgiveness. And then what we have is 
joy and gratitude and love and patience and all those fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit are the attitudes that we are supposed to practice and that God gives us, that the Holy Spirit works in us, that we're supposed to be living out. So love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. It takes self-control to do all of those. <laughs> and that's what I like to picture attitude organization as primarily is having the self-awareness and self-control to recognize when I need to uh, get the grace, get the strength from God from, through the Holy Spirit for those fruits of the Spirit. You know, we pray, we should be praying for those fruits of the Spirit to be worked in us. But what we often want underneath that request to um, be patient, you know, Lord, make me patient. Please give me more joy. Please help me be kind. Help me be gentle. What we really want often, if we kind of we do a little self-examination with honesty of our own hearts, what we want is to actually not need those fruits of the Spirit. We just want it to be easy. We want it to just happen spontaneously. But you need patience when things don't go your way, right? So if we pray for patience, it's a fruit that has to be worked in us by not getting, having occasions to practice it, right? We need occasions to practice those fruits of the spirit. So when we pray for patience, God's going to answer that prayer by giving us circumstances that require patience. When we ask for gentleness, God's going to answer that prayer by giving us circumstances where we are usually harsh. And here's your opportunity. Here's, here's the gentleness and here's the opportunity. Put them together. And it's dying to our own tendencies, our own desires, and choosing God's instead. We are organizing our attitudes when we are decluttering the bad attitudes and the bad responses, our sinful responses, by repenting. That's how you declutter bad attitudes. You repent of them and then replace them by choosing to live out those fruits of the spirit that God has given us the ability to walk in and the opportunities to practice. And we do that in the same way that Jesus modeled for us. So Jesus was tempted and yet without sin, but when he was tempted, he responded with scripture. It was just ready on his tongue and he knew even when the devil distorted scripture to try to tempt him, Christ had the, he had scripture to answer it back and the devil had to flee. 
and we are told resist the devil and he will flee from you. And how do we resist the devil? Not by feeling so strong or hunkering down. We do it the same way that Jesus did it by quoting scripture at him. We need to quote scripture at ourselves, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need to answer the world of scripture and its temptations. We need to answer ourselves with scripture. And we need to answer the devil with scripture. That means we need to know it. We need to be reading it, putting it in our heads. It just need, We need to be saturated in it. And we need to be speaking it. And so one way that we do this inside Simply Convivial Continuing Education, and it's not like I'm the only one who's suggested this in the history of the world. This is a pretty common thing, really, but it's just not something that we really, maybe we discount simple practices like this. Take a piece of scripture. It might be the fruit of the spirit section. It might be, for a while, I had the create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, these different prayers that orient, prayers from scripture or prayers using scripture to orient our thoughts and attitudes and responses to God. Write them out. Write them on an index card. Tape them on the bathroom mirror. Write them on an index card. I like index cards. They're just easy and the perfect size. And put them on the by the kitchen sink. Or tape them to the front of your phone. I like using index cards because of the size. But also because they are kind of... Uh, temporary, transitory, the pressure is off, right? We're not doing this to look a certain way, to have the perfectly lettered, beautiful piece of artwork that's going to make us feel great about ourselves because we did this beautiful thing. That's not the point. The point is putting scripture in our heads. The point is turning to scripture to orient our attitudes. So copy it out. Maybe pick a verse and just copy it out every day or pick a verse, write it out, put it somewhere prominent. And just every time you see it, you have to read every word out loud to yourself. And when you stop seeing it and stop noticing it, that's a thing. Then you just take it down, put it even the same verse or a different verse on a different color index card or move it to a different spot so it stands out again and you keep doing it. So we call these alignment cards. And sometimes um, they are mottos, sometimes they're summaries, but straight scripture really is where to start. And when we do this, we're not only memorizing scripture, we're also forming the habit of praying scripture and just returning to the same scripture over and over and over again on repeat. And that is the practice and the mode of being that is setting our minds on things above. That is 
guarding our hearts and minds and meditating on God's word. There are all kinds of different ways it's expressed through scripture. This constant returning to scripture as our source of encouragement. So it doesn't have to be complicated or difficult. It's as easy as putting a verse on an index card, putting it in a prominent visible space and going over it again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> Such that after so many repetitions, it pops up in our head. Sometimes at random points for review and it pops right into our head when we need it to answer a temptation, to even notice that a temptation is happening. That is organizing our attitude, and it is very, very relevant to getting organized. Because if we aren't organizing our attitude, then probably we are falling into the temptation of organizing in order to gain control over our situation. And when we are being, when we are trying to organize in order to get control over the situation or control over other people, those plans are going to be frustrated. And we're going to be frustrated because we are working for a goal that we are not supposed to have. <laughs> we are working counter to God's plan for our life. God's plan for our life is our sanctification. So we want to be organized in a way that is working with God's plan for our life, not against it. And God's sanctification plan for our life is not going to ever be life going according to our plans. So we'll talk more about that tomorrow, planning in such a way that's not a, a tight-fisted control of the world kind of planning. So we can make plans. It's not the planning is wrong or bad, but how do you hold those plans? How do you consider those plans and think of them? And what are you really planning? That's tomorrow. And then we will be doing a Q&A. So on Saturday morning, so you can ask a question here in the comments. Tomorrow is going to be a good day as we talk about planning and um, not escapist planning, not um, wasting time planning and, and not planning in order trying to control the world or our life. But what, what are we really planning for? And then how are we going to handle it when it turns out that God had different plans from us? <laughs>